right, well, let's go to Luke chapter 11 tonight. Luke chapter 11, we're going to continue speaking on spiritual warfare. And I, I'm going to, uh, this, what I'm going to talk about tonight, it might seem a little extreme. I might, I might sound a little radical tonight. And I might even sound like I'm stretching a few things a little bit. But, you know, I really don't think I am. And um, I was reading this passage of Scripture. And I felt like felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me about something in this and kind of directed me in an area to study. And I think, I think I understand this passage of Scripture that we're about to read better than I ever have before. And tonight, I'm gonna, I want to talk about really just the possibility that many... Church members today, when I talk about in churches, I'm talking churches across the board, different religions. But I think there's, I think it is very possible, I think we can learn from the Scripture that much of what's going on in church today is because there are many in the church that are demon-possessed. You say, well, wait a minute. What do we think of when we think of demon-possessed? You know, you think of that person rolling on the floor, foaming at the mouth, you know, passing out, speaking another language. I mean, you think of all that crazy Hollywood stuff. And let me tell you, some of that stuff is real. And there are people that are demon-possessed and that uh, strange things happen sometimes. But at the same time, when I'm talking about demon-possessed people tonight, I believe these people are just as demon-possessed. If anything, they might even be more demon-possessed, yet it's not like what you think. It's not like what's on Hollywood. And I think as we read this passage of Scripture and look at some things in the Bible, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And so, let's go to Luke chapter 11. And we'll start reading in verse 14. I want you to follow along with this and hopefully we'll learn something tonight. But it says... And he, talking about Jesus, was casting out a devil. Okay, the Bible never, the King James Bible never uses the word demon. It uses the word devil. But if I talk about demons tonight or devils, same thing. Okay, so if I, but he was casting out a devil. This is someone who is demon possessed, and it was dumb. This one, it didn't speak. This particular devil that was cast out, and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake. And the people wondered. So the person that was demon possessed, they didn't speak. They couldn't talk. Okay, am I saying that everybody that doesn't can't speak is demon possessed? Absolutely not. But in this case, that person, because of this demon that was inside of them, they could not speak. And when Jesus cast the devil out, all of a sudden they were able to speak. And the people they they wondered at this. This was this was an amazing thing that just happened. Jesus had just cast a devil out, and casting out demons or exorcisms is a a word that's used today, was a very common thing that went on back then. And it's a very common thing, really, in a lot of different religions. There's a lot of different religions that do exorcisms. And you can argue about whether or not they work, whether or not they are real. But I, I personally believe a lot of these groups actually do cast out demons. We see in the book of Acts, there was a group of men, the sons of Sceva, that were... Uh, they were exorcists, or they were uh, they they cast out demons, but these guys weren't saved. And these guys they tried casting one a devil out of one guy, and that one guy took out all seven of them. Ran, you know, they all ran off naked and screaming because uh, they couldn't handle him. Paul was able to. That demon it knew Paul, it knew Jesus, but this guy 
he, he didn't have it in him. This man wasn't saved. But it was a very common thing for people to do that. But yet, there were people from some goofy religions that did this kind of thing. And it says here in verse 15, But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, others tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. That house divided thing, Abraham Lincoln didn't come up with that. That came from Jesus Christ. That came from the Bible. We went to the Lincoln Museum one time and it kept talking about that house divided. And it kept talking about how Lincoln got it from some book. I forgot what book it is where it says that. And it's like, Lincoln got it from the Bible. He might have read that book too, but that book got it from the Bible. Jesus is the one that said that about a house being divided against itself. And they were trying to say that Jesus cast this devil out through Beelzebub. And that's something that we might say about some of these other groups, but at the same time, uh, you know, Jesus talks about a house being divided, how it can't stand, it's not going to stand. And then it says in verse 19, or we'll go to verse 20, or 19, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. And then this is where I want to really pay attention. In verse 24 it says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So right there, we see an example. He says, that unclean spirit, when it goes out, it goes... And it's looking for a place. It's trying. It's going through dry places, seeking to find rest. It's not finding anything, and it goes back to that place where it dwelt before. It goes back to that same person, and everything's cleaned up. Boy, the, his house or that it's swept and it's garnished. It's everything's looking good. They've got their act together, and then he goes and he gets seven more devils, more wicked than himself. Now. What I've always kind of felt about this passage of Scripture here, and I do think there's some truth to it, is that I picture that person, maybe he's got one demon in him. And it gets cast out by whoever. Okay? By the priest, by the rabbi, by the whatever, from whatever group. They cast it out. But that person doesn't get saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in their life. And... If that doesn't happen, it's only a matter of time before they're going to get in trouble again. And I picture all of a sudden now seven more demons coming back and possessing this individual and then being worse off than they ever were before. And there's a lot of stories I've heard about people that were demon-possessed where things very similar to that happened. But I got to thinking about, uh, as I was studying this, the Lord kind of directed my thoughts somewhere else as to what's going on because it talks about how it says seven other spirits. It goes and gets seven other spirits. More wicked than that. And I was thinking about the context of this passage because when he's talking about it, he was uh, 
he's remember he's just cast out a devil out of someone. He's got people telling him that he's casting out devils through Beelzebub. This obviously, you know, they're trying to discredit what's just been done here. And then Jesus kind of explains some things really about how this works and what's going on. And talks about the seven other spirits. And I wondered if these spirits or these kind of spirits could possibly be named in the Bible. Because the Bible does talk about a lot of different spirits. And I got to thinking about this. That person, how it says that when it's gone out of him, when he comes back, he finds the house swept and garnished. And I want you to picture, maybe, because this happens all the time. In, in churches, for example. I, I heard Brother Gomez just the other day. It might have been when we were over at the college. Um, or it might have been somewhere else. I heard him preach somewhere else. Um, he talked about a preacher that from some other religion and he asked him about a salvation testimony. And this preacher, when he explaining his salvation testimony, talked about some of the things that he used to do. I used to do this. I used to you know, hang out with the fellows and you know, we'd do what guys do when they hang out. And then one day I just... I quit doing that. Okay, that's not salvation. Now, it sounds like he got rid of some sin in his life, but that's not salvation. You must be born again. Jesus, you have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. There was no talk about that. didn't mention anything about that. I thought that is a testimony of a lot of people. I've asked a lot of people questions like that. You know, when did you trust Christ as your Savior? And they go and they'll tell you a story about something that they used to do. Maybe a wicked sin in their life. And then they'll tell you about when they quit doing that sin. And I got to thinking about it. Are we just casting out devils in churches and not getting these, getting these people saved? And are they becoming more, really more demon-possessed even in the church? And you say, how can that be? Because usually when we think of somebody who's more demon-possessed, we think about you know somebody really being crazy. I mean, you know, head spinning, foaming at the mouth, all that kind of stuff. You know, all the, all the Hollywood stuff. But I got to thinking about it. Really, what's worse? Okay, let's say that we've got, you know, uh, ordinary Joe. We don't have any Joes here tonight, I don't think. All right, let's say, you know, Joe comes and visits the church. And boy, you can just look at Joe and you can tell he's got some pretty serious sin in his life. Maybe he's on drugs. All right, and drugs. I'm telling you that there's something spiritual about that. And Joe comes to church and he's on drugs, and it's clear we can see the problem in his life. He needs to get that out of his life, and obviously he needs to be saved too. But let's say that we're like your normal church, and we you know, we just don't talk a whole lot about Jesus, but we know he shouldn't be on drugs. And let's say we start praying for him, we start working with him and help him, and we get him to conquer that drug problem in his life. We get him to conquer that addiction in his life. And he does. Boy, he kicks that bad habit. He gets that out of his life. Maybe you can say that we got that demon out of his life. And he's not on drugs anymore. He's not. Boy, he's doing good. He's doing good. He's got his act cleaned up. He's showing up to church. But we've never told him about Christ. We've never told him how to be saved. And I, I know around here that seems like that would be impossible. It could happen here. But let me tell you, in many churches, this happens all the time. There are many churches that they don't do invitations. They don't, they don't aggressively uh, go after people's souls like we ought to be doing. That, it, this is not uh, hard to imagine in most churches today. But they will try to help you get over 
certain things like drunkenness, drug problems. And that's fine. We want to get rid of those things. We want to get those demons out of people's lives. Alright, but let's say Joe comes and we get the drugs out of his life. We kick that demon out. We exercise that demon. We cast it out. And now his house, it's clean. It's swept. And it's garnished. But the Holy Spirit's not dwelling inside of him. Now, according to the Bible, it's only a matter of time. And seven more spirits, more wicked, is going to come and indwell this person. And and who are these spirits? And when we look at these spirits, I think it's safe to say most people would not think of them as worse than the spirit of drugs, the, the spirit of alcoholism. They wouldn't think of it as worse than that. But I think we'll see how they actually are much more dangerous. And so what are these spirits? Well, for one, go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. I, I went and I was looking up different spirits, evil spirits that the Bible talked about. And I, I found seven of them. There might be more. Maybe I was just wanting to find seven and I skipped a few. But I, I found seven. And I don't know for sure these are exactly what Jesus was talking about, but I think it's a very good possibility and we can definitely learn from it. But it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There's good ones and there's bad ones. There's good spirits. There's evil spirits. The Bible talks about the seven spirits of God. But here, Jesus and Luke talks about 11, or not 11, 7 evil spirits. And it says in verse 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Notice the spirit of Antichrist. It, this is not me. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on any religion. But my Bible right here says every spirit that says that Jesus is not the Christ, any, any spirit that says that is the spirit of Antichrist. And let me tell you something. There are many religions today that talk about Jesus Christ. They talk about Him all the time. But they will not say that He is the Christ. And when it means the Christ, it means the Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. The only way to heaven. Unfortunately, fewer and fewer religions, even quote Christian religions, will not make that claim. And according to my Bible, that's the spirit of Antichrist. And so we've got Joe that comes, he goes into one of these churches and he now, he's got, he's kicked that devil of drugs and that devil of addictions. He's kicked that devil out of his life, but now he's in the church and now he's received the spirit of Antichrist. He never got Christ in his heart, but now he has the spirit of Antichrist in him. And he goes on his way thinking, hey, I'm good. I go to church. I've got my act cleaned up. I've changed. I used to be a drug addict. Now I'm a deacon in the church. Now, you know, but he doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Can that person be saved? My Bible says they're Antichrist. But that is the spirit of Antichrist. A person who is really saved, they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. 
That is absolutely biblical. And I'm here today to tell you, I believe a person that is sitting in a church that's got their act together, whose body is swept and garnished and has the spirit of Antichrist is in worse shape than the one with the spirit of addictions in their life. That person with the, the addiction problem, they know they've got issues. That person that comes in and their life's just been wrung through the ringer through the drugs and alcohol, they know they have a problem. But that person who's got their act together, that on the outside looks great, but on the inside has the spirit of Antichrist. And let me tell you, they can talk good too. They'll say great things about Jesus. But they won't say He's the only way to heaven. They'll say great things about Muhammad. They'll say great things about Buddha. They'll say great things about all those guys. You know, and that is the spirit of Antichrist. And let me tell you, who's worse off? I believe the person with the spirit of Antichrist. And where did he get that spirit from? He got it from a church. It was used to get him through the, through the church. Churches that say there is more than one way to heaven. That's the spirit of Antichrist. The ecumenical movement. The ones that are trying to get all the religions and all the churches to come together. For the churches to come together, you can't say that there's only one way to heaven. You can't do that. And all these churches that are trying to be a part of that, that are trying to join that, according to my Bible, have the spirit of Antichrist. And let me tell you, these churches, people look at them and say, oh no, these are great churches. Look at how they're helping people. They help people get over their addictions. You know, They've helped put marriages back together. They've helped people clean up their acts. But did Christ ever come into their hearts? Did they ever truly get saved? Listen, I'm all for helping people clean up their acts. But if they don't have Jesus Christ in their heart, they're not going to heaven. They absolutely are not going to heaven. We kicked one devil out so another one could come in. One more wicked. One more dangerous. I mean, really, who is more dangerous? That creepy looking, psycho looking guy with the tattoos all over his face and the piercings? Or that nice looking smiley guy that's just a creeper that you never know? Who's more dangerous? Well, that is that fellow that looks nice. And those ones that are all crazy looking, we all know better than that. You're not going to let your kid go stay at their house. They got 666 tattooed on their forehead. You're, they're not going to let your kids go over there. It's the nice ones. It's the ones with the smiley faces. It's the ones that look like they have their act together. And let me tell you, I believe those people, they've got a devil in them. Just as sure as I do, the guy with the 666 tattooed on his forehead. But I believe those other ones are more dangerous and are a lot more scary. Demon, demon, just as demon possessed, just because they're not foaming at the mouth doesn't mean they're not demon possessed. Also, another spirit that's very common in churches today. Go to Jude, Jude chapter one. Only one chapter in Jude, just by a couple pages over in your Bible. Jude one verse seventeen says, "But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts." Mockers. I know. I like that. Mockers walking after their ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual. Having not the Spirit, the cap with the capital S, the Holy Spirit. These ones are sensual. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The other spirit that I believe that's very common, that's possessing many people, the sensual spirit, or another name for it is the seducing spirit. First Timothy chapter four, 
And verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So the sensual spirit, seducing spirit, I believe it's the same thing. These are, these are in churches that are using the things of the world to reach people. Think about, I, I, I think about the rock music churches. Saying that, well, it brings a crowd in. Using all the worldly entertainment. Using the things of the flesh to get the message out there. The Bible says that in the last days that there would be mockers. I mean, really, some of the things that go on, um, that the, some of the Christian rock music, you'd swear it was making fun of Christianity. You'd swear they are mocking Christ. But you know what? People are taking this stuff serious. And the pe- people love it. And the Bible says that it is a seducing spirit. That this is something that is sensual. There's nothing holy about it. One bit. And this is becoming very common in churches today. Using all the things of the flesh to bring people in. And let me ask you again. Who is worse off? The person who is out there living according to the lust of the flesh. Or the person who is sitting in a church living according to the lust of the flesh. Having that preacher tell them how great and how wonderful they are. When they, they're sinners and they need to get saved. You know how many people these days, they don't want to go to a church that makes them feel uncomfortable. They want to hear those smooth things. And so the church, they're bringing in these sensual things. And that rock music, I'm telling you, rock music, I don't get it. I don't understand people that voluntarily listen to that stuff. I just, I can't imagine on purpose. I I have to hear enough of it at work and it just places out in public. People in the car next to me vibrating my car with their bass. I can't imagine voluntarily listening to that stuff. It makes no sense. And yet, why is it in the church? I believe it's because a lot of that stuff's demonic. And they like that. The demons, they like that stuff. And if they've got to sit in a church service, why wouldn't they want to bring in their music? Why wouldn't they want to bring in those sensual things? I mean, that, that people that are demonically possessed like that, they get, into, they get into the things of the flesh, some wicked things, and it's being brought into the church, and people are falling for it left and right. Why? Because it's sensual. It's seducing. It's deceiving. And I believe that people in churches like that are worse off than that drunk on the bar stool. And let me tell you, some of those churches, they'll help people clean up their act. They'll help them get some of that outside stuff taken care of. They put some marriages back together. They help some people get their lives on track. They'll help them get off the drugs and the alcohol sometimes. But now they've got a new spirit inside them and it's not the Holy Spirit. And they're worse off than they were before. You try to tell that person they're not saved and they'll keep telling you about that change that happened in their life. And I do believe salvation changes people, but they never mention Jesus Christ. They never, they never talk about calling on the Lord, recognizing their sin. It doesn't make a whole, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And in some of these places, you won't even see a change. Not even, not even a change. They're still doing all the same sins they were before, but now they're doing it in church, and so it's okay. I believe a different spirit has entered them, one more wicked. Also. 1 John chapter 4, verse 5. We see another one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 5. says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. 
We are of God, and He knoweth that God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Listen, you say, how can you be saying this? You know, people in these other in these churches are demon possessed, whatever. These are nice people. Okay? And you know what? Some of them are. They're very nice. They're very well meaning people, but you know what they have? They have the spirit of error. They're just wrong. They're, they're, they're just wrong. They're, they're trying to do the right thing, but they got it wrong. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever done that before? You just, you just got something wrong. You tried and you made a mistake. I mean, you just, maybe, again, you just picked the wrong answer. You know, you, uh, on the coin toss, you guessed, you know, heads when it was tails. I mean, you just got it wrong. You made an error. You made a mistake. And the Bible talks here about a spirit, there's a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. And the Holy Spirit, He's that spirit of truth. If you're saved, He will help you recognize what's true and what's false. You don't even have to be a Bible scholar. He'll help you see those things. I've heard many people talk about how after they got saved, and sometimes they would end up in the wrong church. And they would hear some of the things that were being preached, and they didn't know that much about the Bible. But they knew there was something wrong with what they were hearing. You know why? Because they had the Spirit of truth indwelling them. But there's many people, because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside them, they have the spirit of error, and what they're being taught is flat out wrong. And they are. They're well-meaning. They're trying. They're doing their best. But they've just got it wrong. The spirit of error. Well-intentioned. They're not thinking anything. They're not thinking anything bad. There's not an evil thought in their mind. But they've got a, the spirit of error indwelling them. And I, I think that's. I would it's safe to say that spirit is more dangerous than. One of the spirit of addictions. Things like that. The spirit that causes people all the problems on the outside. So we've got the spirit of Antichrist, seducing spirits, the spirit of error. Also, James chapter 4, verse 5. James chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Lusteth to, the spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy. You know, there's the spirit... Of jealousy that happens sometimes. You know, there there are some churches today that preach what they call a prosperity gospel. Well, if you're you know if you're right with God, if you're a child of God, the Lord's going to bless you. You're going to have a nice house. You're going to drive nice cars. You're going to make all kinds of money. And you know what they're doing? They're using that spirit of jealousy, that spirit of covetousness, to get people to do what they want them to do. Think, man, if I do this, then you know I'll make more money. Should that be the motivation? What is it that's supposed to draw us to Christ? Is it supposed to be the blessings? Or is it supposed to be His holiness? Is it supposed to be the recognition of our sin? And that guilt that comes from our sin that causes us to say, I am a sinner, dear Lord, save me. But yet many people today, they will go into churches and they'll get around. And it might even be a good church. It could be a church like this one. And they'll see the people in the church that have their act together. People that God's blessing, they're doing right. And they'll look and say, you know what, I want what they have. You know, I, I, want, I want a family like that. I want, you know, I want the Lord to bless me like that. And they're just going after the blessings and when, as far as the sin in their life, as far as a relationship with Jesus Christ, they could care less. Hey, how do I get those blessings? And they'll, you know, 
They'll do whatever they're doing. They'll dress like whoever. They'll, act, they'll, they'll learn all the lingo, all the language. They'll show up for all the meetings. Some of these people, they'll be your most faithful church members because they're just they're hoping to get something out of it. A spirit of jealousy, a spirit of envy. And people do that all the time. I mean, very, and you'll see them one week, and boy, they're in that Mormon church. All right, well, hey, Mormons, they seem like they got all kinds of money. And boy, you know, they'll wear the white shirt, black tie, name tag. They'll do all the stuff that Mormons do. They'll go out knocking on doors, but here they are six months later, and they're not any richer. Oh, well, let's try, you know, let's try the Jehovah's Witnesses out. And then they'll go and they'll try that. Just going after whatever they can, just confused. And what ends up happening to those people in the long run? They just get burned out and give up. Religion doesn't work for me. And the problem is, they've got a spirit inside them, that spirit of jealousy, that spirit of envy. And they don't have the Holy Spirit. And what they need is to get saved. And I'm telling you, all these things, they can happen in Baptist churches too. Sometimes we're so anxious to get people's outside fixed up that we... Totally forget about the salvation part. Hey, look at that person. Man, you know, look look at how they're dressed now. Look at how they act church. Hey, they quit doing this. Hey, they quit doing that. But did they get saved? Did they really get saved? Because if they don't get saved, we can kick some of those bad spirits out, but some worse ones are going to come into their lives. There's also the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Romans chapter 8 Verse 14, Romans 8, verse 14. Turn over there, I didn't write that one down. Romans 8, verse 14. Says, As for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness that our, uh, with our spirits that we are the children of God. The Spirit of fear. You know, some churches, they use fear to keep people around. For example, you can lose your salvation, they'll tell you. Oh, you, 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 you quit church. You quit doing good. Hey, if you go back to that drinking, you go back to that doing drugs, you go back to that cussing, you'll lose your salvation and you'll burn for eternity in hell. Whoa. Hey, I'll be good. I'll be a good church member. I'll come do my confessions. I'll come take my communion. I'll come show up for church every week. I'll say my Hail Marys. I'll say my Our Fathers because I don't want to go to hell. And you know what? Those people, they'll be good people. I want. I, I got to make sure my good works outweigh my bad works. If those scales tip in the wrong direction, I'm going to go to hell. And those people, you can kick a lot of devils out of their life because they they want to be good. But now they've got the spirit of fear dwelling in them, that fear of losing their soul. And let me tell you something: that's not of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of the sound mind. We see in the Bible, you can't lose your salvation, but look how many religions, most religions, if they're honest, believe you can lose your salvation. Across the board, even amongst Christians, they believe you can lose your salvation. And you know what that creates? That spirit of fear. I would be scared to death if I thought I could lose my salvation. But that spirit, it doesn't it doesn't come from God. It it that, and the whole and people who don't truly get saved, they're going to have that. And some churches prey on that, and they use that. 
And I, and I believe these people are worse off than somebody said who's got some of these other spirits that we talked about. The spirit of fear. Also, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we see another spirit that's mentioned. It says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all also, also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, <clears throat> even as others. There are some, there are some churches out there that literally ignore more than half the teaching of the Bible, and they even encourage things that the Word of God forbids that spirit of disobedience. You can see what they're teaching and it just flat out goes against the Bible. I know of a church it's not in another town. They have outside their church the uh, I don't know what it's called but the gay pride flag. Outside a church. It's like, wait a minute. What does the Bible say about that? They don't care. That's just flat out disobedience. I mean, there are some things that the Bible just spells out for us. Spells it out. And yet, not only is that just ignored in the church, some will tell, say the absolute opposite. That's just flat out disobedience. I mean, you've seen that. I mean, there's parents. I mean, you've been there with your kids. Sometimes your kids just make mistakes. Sometimes they just get things wrong. Sometimes they just flat out disobey you. And what makes you more upset? That flat out willful disobedience. And many people are in churches today that have that spirit of disobedience. But you know what they always can cling to? Hey, I'm in church. Hey, my church teaches this. My church says this. And you know what? They take comfort in that. And they think, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Are you saying your church is better than my church? But you and I know it's not the church that gets you to heaven. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And they're not talking about that over there. It's like they, they like that church because this is where I can do this sin and get away with it. That's disobedience. According to my Bible, the reason we called the Lord was to save us from our sin. We don't go to church. We don't pick a church where we can feel good about our sin. That doesn't make sense. I mean, that would be like, to me, having a church that is, has an emphasis on, you know, gay pride or whatever, would be like, you know, hey, you know what? Let's have a church for people with tempers. Because, you know what? I think we ought to be allowed to poke somebody in the nose every now and then if they deserve it. And so, you know what? I, I don't want to go to one of these churches to preach against it. They're a bunch of bigots. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Some of us with tempers, we just can't help it. Let's start a new church. Let's even get a flag too. We're going to make it even more friendly looking you know, than one of these colorful gay pride flags. And then we'll teach that. You can't do that. You have to go by what the Word of God says. We don't find a group that, where we can feel better about it. We, a good friend is somebody that will remind you when you're wrong. A good friend is somebody that will tell you when you're getting away from God and will rebuke you. You know, a preacher that loves you is one that will preach the truth. And that spirit of disobedience is very strong in many churches today. And this this is that teaching that 
No change is necessary. And let me remember one, and I, I think I've emphasized it throughout here, change doesn't save you. you. You cast out some of these devils, there will be changes in your life, but if the Holy Spirit is not in your life, a change isn't going to do any good. But also this attitude of, hey, you're fine. You don't need to change anything. Well, then why in the world do we even need to get saved? I mean, if we're fine, just as we are, why get saved? Why are we calling on the Lord? Why did He die on the cross? I know He will accept us just as we are. We sing the song, Just As I Am. He will save you no matter how wicked you are. But He's saving you because of your sin. And this attitude of, you're fine just like you are, and that's it. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Spirit of disobedience, very wicked. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Spirit of the world. What's that talking about? I believe that's talking about worldly wisdom. Church, there's churches today, they want to use all the modern psychology and the wisdom of man instead of the Word of God. Oh, you're not you're not demon possessed. You're just a you know paranoid, schizophrenic with you know bipolar disorder. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, you know, some of that stuff's real. But you know what? They're always trying to use man's wisdom. They want to use man science. I mean, there's churches that believe in evolution. There's churches that believe we evolved from monkeys. Once again, using man's wisdom rather than using the Word of God. The spirit of the world. Churches that want to use all the worldly methods, use the worldly music. You know, there's all these big, you know, techie churches that, you know, I'm not against technology and things like that, but they're just using all the new, hip, trendy, flashy stuff as their way of reaching everybody, just using all the things of the world to win people over. The Spirit of the world. We don't have... The, the Spirit of the world is not in us. We're not supposed to think like the world. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to act like the world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yet look at how many churches are just focused on worldly things. One thing that's real big in churches today and is real big... Uh, it's, it's even creeping its way into Baptist churches is this you know community thing. Alright? I'm not against communities, but this whole community thing that everybody's getting into, it's all about being hip, being trendy, just trying to fit in with everybody. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be come out from among them and be separate. Saith the Lord. I'm fine for doing things in the community, but I'm not going to change one thing about myself. We shouldn't disobey one thing in the Bible just to maybe make other people out there feel better. We might look a little different than they do. We might act a little different. Our music should be different than the world's. They're not going to like some of the things that we do as much, but I'm sorry, that's the way it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be different than the world. And there's going to be... listen. Our community is real big in alcohol. Okay? 
Hey, if we want to get more involved in the community, get more people, connect with more people, well, let's do some events where we're giving out some free beer. We'll get all kinds of people there for that. But is that what God wants? Is that obedience to the Word of God? Absolutely not. I think we'd probably grow if we did that. Have you noticed the two Shell gas stations in town? They're adding on since they've been able to start selling beer. Hey, it obviously is... It, you know, it's obviously expanding. It's, it obviously is helping these businesses, and it might even help us in a worldly sense. But we don't use worldly wisdom. Yeah, it would get us a bigger crowd, but would it get us closer to the truth? We're not supposed to have the spirit of the world. We've not received that. If you have the spirit of the world in you, if you're wanting to be like the world, wanting to connect with the world. You didn't get that from God. It says, we don't have that. It says, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given us of God. There's something different about the Spirit that's in us. And I believe all these spirits that are being talked about here, you know where people are most likely to get these ideas? It's not from all the wicked junk in Hollywood. Listen, you know, what's Hollywood push? Well, they push the spirits. You know, drugs, alcohol, immorality. I mean, they're, they're shoving that junk down our throats. And you know what? It's working very successful. People are getting that. All that all that wicked, immoral stuff, people are getting that from Hollywood. They're not getting these other spirits from that. You know where these other spirits we talk about? They are coming and being taught in, quote, churches today. And, I, and they are. They're, getting, they're helping people get rid of some of the immorality. They're helping them get over... Their addictions. They are, they're cleaning up their act. These people are going in there and they're coming out and they've got their houses swept and garnished, but they've not got the Holy Spirit in their life. Jesus Christ has not come into their heart. I mean, there are churches today where you can go in there and you might not even hear the name Jesus mentioned. They might not even open the Scriptures. If you're lucky, they might read one passage out of a goofy Bible. And all these things that the Bible talks about here, these spirits, it doesn't talk a whole lot about the spirit of immorality and all those other things. Those kind of spirits, so they're obvious. They do, they take their toll on people. They'll, I mean, you can, you can see it. You can, you've seen those people. That, well, you can tell they've lived a rough life. You can tell that just by looking at them, they've been through a lot of sin. And, you'll, and we look at those people, sometimes we get creeped out. I wonder if they got a demon in them. Oh, that person, they've got to be demon-possessed. And we do. We get all spooked. We get all freaked out. But let me tell you, I, I personally believe that some of the most demon-possessed with multiple spirits in them are sitting in churches today. Even Baptist churches. This is, this is getting big. Even in Baptist churches, where we do, we get so focused on kicking out those spirits of the things that are more obvious and unfortunately we're allowing some of these other spirits to get inside them because they're not getting saved and if they're not saved it's only a matter of time so i don't think they all come in at once but i've seen it before where people they will they'll come to church they'll clean their act up everything seems great but they don't stick around bible says talks about how they went out from us because they were not of us but wait a minute look at the change that happened well yeah you exercised a few spirits out of their life. But now they've got the spirit of error in their life. They've got the spirit of jealousy. They've got a sensual spirit. They have the spirit of Antichrist. They've got all these other spirits in them. And now they're worse off than they ever were before. 
And I can't imagine as a church, if we're not careful, that could be us. We could. We could make people worse off than they were before. If Joe comes, it's our church. And we do. We get him to take care of all that outside. We get him looking good. Boy, I mean, he's just a polished fella. He's looking great. He's one, man, you know, he's up here singing specials, maybe preaching, doing a Sunday school class. And he'll tell you, if he didn't get saved, I can promise you, he is worse off up here preaching from the Bible than he was when he was a drunkard or a drug addict. Because it's real easy to feel saved when, hey, look at me, I'm proclaiming the Word of God. Look at me, I'm singing a special in church. Look at me, I used to look like a freak show. Now I've got my act all cleaned up. I'm definitely going to heaven. But if he never called on the Lord for salvation, he's worse off. I do, I believe he's worse off. I've heard many people say that it is easier to go to hell from a church pew than a bar stool. That person in the bar stool, they know they've got problems. That person in the church pew, they think they're fine. And it is very possible. It is very possible that we are talking about demon possessed, which usually freaks us out. But just as bad, the Bible says even more evil, demon possessed people in the church. That ought to scare us a little more than somebody foaming at the mouth and speaking in a language they don't know. And that's that's I do I believe that stuff's real, and it does it, it creeps me out a little bit. But you know what? My Bible says these other there's seven other spirits more wicked, and I believe these. I don't know what they are. I don't know if these are the same ones Jesus was talking about. But I see seven spirits talked about in the New Testament that I believe come and get to people through churches. And I can, I can see where even in this church, if we're not careful, some of these spirits could come on people. And that's why we've got to keep on proclaiming the Gospel of Christ. Keep on asking people about their salvation testimony. And listen, when people come to our church and they want to join our church, I ask them about their salvation testimony. Uh, and you know what? It may, sometimes when you ask people about when they got saved, they get very uncomfortable. Oh, that's, that's private. That's personal. Most people I know in the Bible, when they got saved, they want to tell everybody about how they got saved. The Bible talks about being witnesses. The Apostle Paul, half his preaching, he was telling people about what the Lord did in his life. I worry about people who don't want to share their salvation testimony. I wonder if it's because they don't have one. They've got a different spirit inside them. Could they be demon-possessed? And that's why we've got to make sure we stay strong on the gospel message. I want people to get their lives straightened out. I want to see that person that looks like, you know, looks like something straight out of a horror movie. I want to see them get their act cleaned up and see them up here singing a special, glorifying God. I love seeing that kind of change in people's lives, but I would hate to see a change take place and no salvation. That would be much worse. And that's why we need to pray for each other. Pray for the new people to come in. And search your own heart. Examine yourself. That's why when we have the Lord's Supper, we talk about how the Bible says, let a man examine himself. Check yourself out. Hey, did I just kick a few demons out of my life? Or did I get the Holy Spirit in my life? Because these other spirits, if you have them, you'll still look a lot better than you did before. You might have only had one demon in you before. You might have four demons in you now, but you can have four of these demons and still look okay. And so that's why we've got to be careful. Satan, he is the master deceiver. 
And we can combat him by keeping, keeping our nose in God's Word and just checking up, on our, checking up with ourselves. Pray. Ask God to help you with that. We don't want to have that spirit of error. Just, just be wrong. And I, I challenge you to search your hearts. With that, let's all stand together.